Hey, we're so glad that you guys are here. We're starting a new series called The Journey. If you're online watching Palm Bay, the land, we're so glad uh, that you're here. Uh, a lot going on. And I, I just want to tell you about two things before I start preaching. This is a very difficult time of the year for everybody. <clears throat> I don't care who you are. You carry the weight into the holiday season, anxiety, depression. A lot of you deal with grief. There's, there's just, you name it, financial pressures. And so our care team is in the lobby after every service. Uh, they're around the guest services. There's flyers you can pick up if you're not ready to talk to anybody. Uh, you don't have to feel bad because we're all broken people here. Uh, just go up and, and they'll talk to you. They'll pray with you. They'll set up an appointment to have coffee with you. Uh, if you want to, if you'd rather email, you can do it that way. Uh, talked to so many people already that said if I could just go from November to January, my life would be so much better. And, uh, and listen, I think that's true for so many people because it is a very painful time of the year. Our job is to bring the hope of, of Jesus back into your lives, and we're going to do our very best to do that. But sometimes we need just a little extra. So if you need uh, counseling or encouragement, stop out there. Also, our, our special uh, offering for the, for the weekend is for resources for women, our Pregnancy Crisis Center uh, here locally. And you can do that online. It is the highlighted mission online, or there's a bucket out at guest services uh, that, you can, that you can give out. But if you'll open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, um, and just in case you're wondering, you're going to be like, man, this guy just watches the news and writes sermons. This sermon uh, I wrote a year ago. Uh, most of the sermons that you hear are written a year in advance. It takes that long for them to percolate inside of me and for me to get them ready to go. And uh, so one year ago I wrote this having no idea what would be going on in the Supreme Court and what's happening in Washington and uh, God had a plan. So this journey is this week we're going to talk about Jesus as a fetus. Next week, Jesus is a child, Jesus is a man, and then after Christmas, Jesus and after the resurrection. We're going to look at basically the entire life of Jesus in five weeks. I'm not sure how we'll pull that off for you, but we're going to start off today with Jesus in the womb. Luke chapter 1, uh, verses 39 to 45. So get your Bibles out. And because our objective is not to care what CNN, Fox, NBC, Harvard, Yale, what any of them think, what we care about is what the Word of God says. Can I get an amen? amen. Now here's the sad truth. I'm going to say some very hard things today, and I'm going to ask you to hang in there. All right? You may or may not agree with everything I say, but I'm going to ask you to hang in there and listen to what God said. Here's the tragedy. What I'm going to talk about today ought to be talked about in every church in America today. And my guess is in 98% of the churches, they'll be absolutely silent on this subject. So uh, just buckle in and uh, hang on to God's word tightly and let's see what God wants to say. Um, you know, nothing surprises us anymore. We've seen all the stuff going on, the people being attacked in New York and Chicago and Los Angeles. And I don't know if you saw this one, but a guy got attacked the other day by, um, what are those, what are the contractors use when they're measuring things? Uh, measuring, measuring tape. Yeah. Yeah. He got attacked by a measuring tape. They beat the guy within an inch of his life. All right. Come back Christmas Eve. Maybe it'll be better. 
<clears throat> we live in a society where life has very, very little value. Whether it's an unborn life, whether it's the life of a child, whether it's the life of an adult, whether it's the life of a senior adult, whether it's the life of a sick person. And the reason is, we now live in a culture that is about five generations deep from Roe versus Wade, where we have been taught that we are simply products of evolution. That we are a bunch of cells that have migrated together. You have no purpose. You have no reason for existence. You have no eternal purposes. There is no eternity. There is no God. You are simply a product of protoplasm. And to protoplasm, you shall return. When you live in a society like that, life no longer matters. Not an unborn life. Not a child. You see kids being killed on the streets. There's no, there's no respect for any kind of life because there's no God to be under authority from. And life itself comes only from God. You see signs. You, you see these protests going on. And you'll see a sign that says, abortion saves lives. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Help me with this. Or you'll see a sign that says, keep abortions safe. Can I tell you that every abortion, somebody goes home dead? Amen. Listen, the church is the last, we're the last people standing for life. We're it. And, and, And to be honest, and I'm just shooting straight with you, from what, I, from what I've gathered, only about 10% of churches in America will actually stand for life. All right? So we are, a, we are a, a strange breed, but yet our responsibility is to the authority of the Word of God. Now, nobody ever questioned, you would have never had this discussion in 1970. But look how quickly the culture has fallen apart when now we can't even tell, we cannot say, yes, inside a mother's room is a baby. We can't even define that. And yet we know when a heart stops beating, life ends. So why is it so hard to understand that when a heart starts beating, that there's life? All right. I haven't even started preaching yet. I guess I ought to get to the text. Stand with me out of respect for God's word. All right, here's what it says. Now, just stick with me because there's a lot here. At that time, okay, so Mary has been contacted by the archangel and found out that she's pregnant. She's never had sexual relations. Mary's probably 14 years old. Now, for those who are saying ridiculous, crude things, God did not have sex with Mary. It says that the Holy Spirit overshadowed her and placed inside of her womb the baby Jesus. All right, that's how the process starts. But Mary finds out that her cousin Elizabeth is also pregnant, and she's barren, and she's old enough to be a grandmother. So we got two miracles playing here. And at that time, Mary got ready, and she hurried down to the town in the hill country of Judea. If you went to Israel with me, I could show you Mary's house. It's still there and Elizabeth's house, both still there, where she entered Zechariah and Elizabeth's house. Did I cover that? Yeah. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greetings, the baby John leaped in her womb. 
And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. You can be seated. Okay. So we start off with the Lordship of Jesus Christ. All right. Elizabeth is cousin. She's pregnant. Mary hears about it. She gets on a donkey. She rides for days to get down, to get from Nazareth down south of Jerusalem where Elizabeth and Zacharias lived. And when she walks in, the baby in her womb, who's John the Baptist, we'll get to him in a minute, leaps for joy. She's filled with the Spirit and Elizabeth lays out this incredible statement. She said, but how blessed am I that the Lord, the mother of my Lord, would come and see me. Amen. Now, here's what I want you to see. Because you'll hear all kinds of crazy stuff if you read current theology. Jesus was Lord at the beginning of creation. Jesus was Lord during creation. Jesus was Lord in the Old Testament. Jesus was Lord in Mary's womb. He was Lord when he was alive. He was Lord when he's dead. And he's Lord today. That has never changed. <clears throat> the Lordship of Jesus Christ is supreme. And that's why this is so important. There is but one God and one name by which we must be saved. Now here's the deal. With Lordship comes no voting privileges. I love America. I love our republic. But you do not get a vote in lordships. The Lord calls the shots. Okay? The king calls the shots. And the reason churches are being destroyed and decimated in our culture today is because they're voting on what the word of God ought to be. Now, they'll say ridiculous things like this. Oh, we believe the Word of God is true, but it has to be interpreted in light of current circumstances and progressive situations. That is code for we don't believe the Word of God. And so they just don't deal with it. They make it, they make it a book of fine-sounding uh, things that you can apply four ways to have a happy marriage and things like that. But they never truly dig into this topic. And it's interesting that Elizabeth uses the word Lord. Now, if you read Matthew's account of this story, which is in Matthew's, Matthew chapter 1 and 2, it says that the angels came and there was a message and they said, Joy, joy in heaven, joy to the earth, because the Lord has come. He is the Savior of the world. Amen. But He's still Lord. He's Savior. His name is Christ the Lord. So Matthew talks on the Savior part. Luke doesn't. Elizabeth simply talks about the Lord issue. All their lives, they've waited for this story to be fulfilled, for a Savior to come, for the Messiah to come. All their lives, they've waited for this moment. Could it really be possible that a grandmother who's passed 
childbearing age and is barren could be pregnant? And a 14-year-old that's never had sex is pregnant? And those two are sitting together south of Jerusalem, having a cup of tea, thinking about what God's going to do. In Elizabeth's room is John, the one that we'll know as John the Baptist. He'll be dead in 30 years. John's got one job to teach people about Jesus. He's, he's the guy that lives out in the wilderness. He eats locust and wild honey. He's got long, scraggly hair, and he dresses in terrible clothes. John's a mess, but John loves the Word of God. And John's the one standing in the Jordan River when Jesus walks up, and John says, Behold, folks, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's John's job. And John, John has already started that in the womb. Now look, ladies, I've never, well, I did experience. I've been kicked in the back. I, I've, been, I've been kicked. I've seen feet. Uh, but I've not had that privilege of what it feels like to have a, that baby inside of you. But that baby was both of those babies were there. And it's interesting, Jesus does nothing at this point. Mary walks into the room and says, Hello to Elizabeth. And John goes crazy. All right? Inside Elizabeth's womb, because John knows who just entered the room. Is that not crazy stuff? Now, Philippians 2, 9 and 10 says, At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. That Jesus Christ is Lord. Again, we much rather talk about the Savior side than the Lord side. Listen, the Lord side. So how's your thought life? That's where we deal with the Lordship. How's your sexual life? That's where we deal with Lordship. How do you handle your money? That's Lordship. What do you do with your time? That's lordship. What kind of things do you watch and listen to? That's lordship. How do you treat people around you? That's lordship. Listen, everybody wants to be saved. But Elizabeth doesn't focus on that. It's her Lord that's there. The one who is supreme over all things. And she is celebrating that in a loud voice. Now, there, it's out in the country. It's still kind of out in the country. If you go to Elizabeth's house today, Jerusalem's kind of moved itself out that way. But they're out in the country, and she's just screaming this message. How blessed are you, Mary, and how blessed am I that the mother of my Lord would be here. It's the last time you got excited about lordship. It's tough, isn't it? Because lordship says, I, I, it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what God says. Well, I have more of a progressive view of Scripture. God does not care. Well, I think this. Okay, you, listen, you can think whatever you want. But Galatians 2.20, here's the statement Paul makes. This is for all of us. I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So if you are truly a Christian, if you and I are committed to following Jesus, my thoughts don't matter. Now, there are times when I don't understand what God's up to. There's a lot of times I don't understand what God's up to. There are certain scriptures I read, and I'm like, God, I don't, 
I don't get this. This is tough. But he's Lord and I'm not. That's the first place that we've got to get to. And then the second one is the action, the action that takes place. That John actually leaps inside Elizabeth's womb. All right. Now, the word, the word is what it says, leaping. And I look around, most of our leaping years are probably behind us. All right. But you at least remember the concept of leaping, right? It's an action. The, the, the word that is used, it is a verb. It is an action. It means to move, to be excited. And we've got one song left at the end of this service. And I hope that you will demonstrate that to Jesus. I hope that you will show. Listen, I grew up in a church and they love they love Jesus. But people would get saved. And they did. I was one of them that got saved in this little country church. And you'd get saved. And one old boy in the back was the only one. Had any courage at all. And he would say... Amen. So I was determined that if we ever got to the point, instead of that, we would have cheering. Because it is the greatest event that will take place on earth. And in Luke 15, it says, every time a sinner repents, the angels have a party. The angels set off a celebration. Can you imagine the angels? Somebody gets saved and one angel goes, Amen. No, John leaps inside of Elizabeth's womb because this is the greatest moment that's ever going to happen here in this world as these two babies sitting across from each other inside their mother's womb. Now, what if they'd have made another choice? Elizabeth's old, high risk, right? Mary's young, embarrassment. They could have made a different choice. Listen, when I deliver these messages, here's what I always hope for. I always hope for one. That one person that's listening, that maybe nobody even knows you're pregnant. Maybe you're sitting at home crying right now. That one person would decide to keep their baby. Because if you can save one, you save the world. Do I want to get into that? Um, yeah, why not? You know, we talk about the power of worship, but very seldom do we go back and talk about where worship began. In Genesis 4.21 is where worship began. The guy's name was Jubal. Guess what word we get from that? Jubilation. Exactly. Jubal was the one who started making instruments. He was the first person. I mean, there had to be a first guy to do, do everything, Right. He was the first one that was gifted by God. He makes instruments and created those instruments to be used to celebrate the goodness of God. Now, here's what I want you to pay attention to. John is not celebrating at this point because of what Jesus has done. John is celebrating because of who Jesus is. Big difference. What do I get from Jesus? Well, we know what we're going to get from Jesus. We're going to get salvation. But the worship came simply from who He is. The one who created us. The one who put the stars and the universe together. So I don't know what it looks like for you. But I know too many Christians, they don't take any action at all. And I'm so grateful for, to you guys. I don't know who does what. 
I'll challenge you if you're not. But there's so many ways to take action. I don't care whether you give money. I don't care if you bring in food to distribute to the to the schools. I don't care whether you're helping serve in one of our ministries, helping in the children's department. But action is absolutely an essential part of our worship. You cannot say, I'm a Christian and do nothing. And I'm telling you, the biggest problem that the North American church has is the only reason they exist is to be open next Sunday. They have no intentions of changing their city, changing the culture, reaching anybody for Christ. Now, they say they do, but if you're going to do it, it takes what? Action. John could not control himself when he got in the presence of Jesus. He acted. He leapt. And then the last thing Elizabeth says at the end, she said, Mary, you are so blessed because you dared to believe God for the impossible. Now she gets on a donkey and rides. She's scared. Don't miss that. This 14-year-old girl is scared to death. This is her reputation. This is Joseph's reputation. This is everything. And yet she has heard from the archangel. So she goes to talk to Elizabeth to say, could this really be true? She knows physically. She hasn't done anything. She understands that. But could this really be true? Could all of the prophecies actually now be coming true? Am I really going to be the one who gives birth to the Messiah? Wouldn't you like to have been around that tea? What a conversation that must have been. But Mary inspired faith. That's what Elizabeth said. She said, Mary, I can't believe that you've had the courage to walk through this. I don't know what God's asking you to walk through, but sometimes we minimize small things. I'm just going to take you through a list. How many of you know who Edward Kimball is? We got Edward's picture? There he is. Anybody go to school with Edward? I didn't know who he was either. Uh, Edward Kimball was a preacher, and in his preaching, one of the people he won to Christ was a man named Dwight L. Moody. Um, Dwight L. Moody won a man named Chapman, amongst a lot of other people. Chapman won a guy to Jesus named Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday, along with lots of other people, won a guy named Mordecai Ham to Jesus Christ. Mordecai Ham won Billy Graham to Christ. But it had to start with a guy named Edward Kimball. I don't know where you're at, where you need to start, what part of the process you're in. But Elizabeth said, Mary, this is absolutely incredible that you have dared to trust God to believe in this impossible situation, this embarrassing situation, because nobody knew how this story was going to play out. Malachi says there'll be a forerunner to the Messiah. It says Messiah will be born of a virgin. Are you really sitting at home thinking I'm going to be the fulfillment of that prophecy? And yet Mary has dared now to believe. And she came and Elizabeth said, Mary, the world's going to talk about you. Now listen to me. You don't worship Mary. Mary was one of the greatest ladies to ever live. Obviously, she was chosen to be the one who gave birth to Jesus. But Mary worshipped Jesus. You don't worship Mary. 
Mary was a blessed lady that God chose because of her faithfulness and her purity. And that she was willing to walk through this painful part of her journey to bring the Lord Jesus into our lives. I want to leave you with a statement. We'll say it a few times. We'll practice this. Eternity is too long to be wrong. I buried one of my best friends yesterday. Well, I buried his body. I didn't bury him. He's in good shape. Amen. And all I could think about standing at the grave was eternity. No more pain, no more suffering. He is with God, experiencing things that our minds can't possibly grasp. And he'll be there forever and ever and ever and ever and then some more evers. When you die and you don't know Jesus and you go to hell, how long do you think it'll be before you realize you messed up? One second. When you die and step into the presence of Jesus, how glad will you be? How long will it take? One second. One second. Eternity's too long to be wrong. Say that with me. Eternity's too long to be wrong. So if you've not accepted Jesus, down front there'll be people here, care teams in the back. There's a button you can push, I've decided. Ben and David are at Palm Bay in the land. Um, don't go home today without Jesus. What a, way to, what, a, what, a day, what a way to start off the Christmas season. And maybe you are burdened. Maybe you're carrying griefs. Maybe you are loaded down. You need our care people. But the first thing our care people are going to talk to you about is Jesus. Because if we don't get you into a position to go to heaven, the rest of it's just window dressing. Eternity is too long to be wrong. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the hope that you give us. I thank you that as we walk through this Christmas story, I thank you for how blessed we are. And I know that a lot of people have been, they've had their minds washed by crazy education. They've been lied to by bad pastors. And Lord, I pray that today all of us would get hungry for your word, that we would want to know the truth. In Jesus' name.